Welcome to the Pages to Pictures podcast, the show where we discuss the art of adaptation from one storytelling medium into another. Each episode revolves around a single film based on pre-existing stories or franchises and asks three questions specific to the adaptation. Your hosts are James Janowski, giant Cincinnati Reds fan, screenwriter and screenwriting instructor at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and Screen Experience at ScreenExperience.com. Skid Marr, a founding member of the Glass Cannon Network, podcaster extraordinaire, and a guy who gets paid to play role-playing games. And Andy Schmidt, former Marvel Comics editor, writer of comics, graphic novels, video games, children's books, former director of intellectual property and development at Hasbro, and founder of the online comic book school, Comics Experience. Now get ready for the nerdiest podcast in history. And welcome to Pages to Pictures. Hey everybody, this is Andy Schmidt, one of your hosts. Um, your other host, James Janowski, conducted two really great interviews, uh, one with Joe Kelly, the writer of the graphic novel I Kill Giants, and the writer of the screenplay. He also conducted an interview with Anders Walter, the director of the film version of I Kill Giants, which premieres Friday, March 23rd, which is this weekend if you're paying attention and listening to this the day that it drops. So, uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of audio technical difficulties and the Joe Kelly interview is largely unusable, though we do reference it, and James talks about the interview in uh, our discussion, the three of us discussing the film, I Kill Giants. Um, and the Anders Walter interview had audio problems too, and I have cleaned it up as much as I can, and I think it actually runs pretty well uh, from this point on. But I want to let you know, this is the exclusive interview that James Janowski conducted with director Anders Walter for I Kill Giants. Uh, my name is uh, James Janowski. I'm from Pages to Pictures podcast, uh, where we deal with uh, adaptations of comic books, graphic novels, or even novels into film. And today we are going to be talking with Anders okay. Walter, the uh, the director of this uh, film that's going to be released next week called I Kill Giants. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, you also won an Oscar uh, for your 2013 short film, Helium, which I thought was just uh, a wonderful short film, uh, and congratulations on that as well. Thanks. Uh, the um, opening of uh, of the of I Kill Giants, uh, it's um, a bit different than the graphic novel, and uh, I was wondering if you could discuss, you know, having Barbara baiting a giant rather than. Um, um, the way that the graphic novel started and the, and the choice, the reason that for that choice? No, for me it was very um, it was very important that, that uh, the audience would be guessing about uh, the realness of Barbara's world for, for as long as, uh, as possible um, and I felt in the graphic novel as, as much of a fan I am of the graphic novel I did feel that because Barbara is, is talking to fairies and other you know kind of imaginary uh, fantastic uh, creatures she, she has this little world of her own where she goes and talks to them in, in the backyard of her house I felt that was too much of a giveaway because if you see these creatures, you right away think that you know, of course, Barbara's world uh, is, is is an imaginary one, 
and therefore, you know, all the stuff he's talking about in terms of giants and titans and giants coming to to um, to the town, um, I felt was uh, it was just too easy for people to to not believe in it. And so by taking that out and replacing it with a new opening like the one we have now where you actually get to see the hand of a giant I was hoping that people would actually believe in Barbara for, for a bit longer and uh, I, I think that was successful uh, and then the second scene is um, drastically different from the graphic novel as well uh, in the graphic novel it starts off with Barbara in a school classroom um, with a special guest that day and uh, in the uh, the film, we start off with the family, and of course, I I think I understand why you would do that. But could you uh, elaborate a little bit on why the second scene is we started with the family at dinner time? Uh, to be honest with you, it it really had to do with <laughs> budget restrictions and the number of days we could shoot. So, you know, that's, that's how it goes when, when you're doing a production like this. <laughs> eventually you have, uh, you know, people telling you that you have to cut because when you cut, you also cut on the number of days you're shooting. And that was, I mean, when you isolate that scene, you can, of course, live without it. I loved that scene in the graphic novel and I loved it in the screenplay. For quite some time, it was in the screenplay. And I think losing it was not, you know, um, necessarily something I wanted because I think that scene, it does just set a certain tone in the graphic novel and it could also set a little bit of a different tone in, in the film. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a scene full of humor and, and it's quite fun. Um, so to be honest, if that scene was left uh, on, on my desk some, you know, two years ago before we went on production because I, I you know, I had to make some choices. Gotcha. No, I completely understand that. And then that explains my, my next question was, you know, in that classroom scene in the graphic novel, uh, Barbara makes this declaration at the end. I find giants, I hunt giants, I kill giants, but now in the film, that ends up right at the end of the first act going into the second act. Yes, true. Uh, and that kind of changes a little bit of the dynamic because um, the choice, well, because you couldn't, you didn't have that scene to, to, you instead of going in front of a whole classroom, in front of a teacher and also uh, the, the, the guest in, in the graphic novel, you actually have it just being told to her friend, her only friend, Sophia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. No, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it, that was something we, we then decided to do when we realized we couldn't have the, the, the scene in the, in the classroom. We, you know, obviously you want that, that line to be in the film somewhere. <laughs> Definitely. It's a very important line. And, and it, it just, felt like the the most natural thing you know having that scene being cut from the film then it felt very natural to have it there and and, and be something she she um because she she, she doesn't really stand in front of a, of, of a big audience in the film again except from that scene that was not now it's not in the film anymore and um and especially at that moment it's a moment when when sophia is is you know, she's partly, you know, intrigued by Barbara's world, but there's definitely also a lot of resistance in her in, in, in really believing uh, in her world. And 
I just felt that was a good moment uh, for Barbara to um, to let her, you know, let Sophia in on her, you know, what the hell she was up to. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great line, and I'm so glad that that was uh, put in there. Um, it's it's. I, I'm assuming that's why Joe Kelly, who was the writer of the graphic novel as well as the screenwriter on the film, um, that's probably where he got the title from while he was writing it. Not sure, or he wanted to make sure that that got in there because that was the title of uh, what he was working on. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm certain that that is exactly what happened. Um, no, and it's a it's a great title, you know. I when the screenplay came to me. I, I totally fell in love with the title and I was, you know, just hoping and praying that, that the screenplay and the story that I was about to read would be just as, as fantastic as the title <laughs> because I, I, it is a great I title. wanted to make a movie with that with that title. I didn't know about the graphic novel. I read the screenplay before I got to, I got to know about the graphic novel. Oh, that's interesting. So you read the screenplay first and then I'm assuming then you went back and read the graphic novel. Was there anything that you... Uh, that was in the graphic novel that you said you needed, you know, it needed to be in there or needed to be taken out or needed to be altered in some way? No, basically, you know, I, I got the screenplay and then I called my agent and I said, this is based on a graphic novel, dude, you know, go and get the graphic novel. So I went down to my, <laughs> my local comic book push, I got the graphic novel and, uh, and I read the graphic novel and, and then it just made me fall even more in love with the whole project. And then I called them again and said, Get me, you know, get, get get me in the room. Get me a job. Get, I want to do this one, and um, and, and you know, I have to remember, I yeah, I won an Oscar, but I was also just a Danish director who had done four short films in Danish. Mm-hmm. So so I wasn't, you know, the the most obvious choice to to come to Hollywood and direct my first uh, feature um, with with Chris Columbus and his people. But anyway, it it, it, it it turned out to um, in my favor, I guess. Basically, the first thing I said to 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 the fine producers at Forty Nine Two, which is Chris Columbus's production company, I, I because immediately I I I I thought that oh, of course now they're going to tell me that we have to maybe turn this into a more family friendly film and we have to compromise on a certain tone in a certain way that Barbara is talking and blah blah blah. But the first thing I said to them is, I, I, listen guys, I fell in love with a character. Yes, I know we have a great chance to have a, a beautiful backdrop with giants and titans, but I'm here because I fell in love with the character. And partly why I fell in love with her is the fact that she's so pro- provocative and she's, you know, she has a certain way of addressing the world. And I, I said, if you're going to compromise on that aspect of the film, then, then, I'm not quite sure I'm the man and, and I know how to do it. And they're like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. I mean, I know we have been doing a lot of, you know, family friendly films, but we, we understand the nature of this beast and we understand that this has to be an independent production and, and, um, the PG is going to be 13. So you, you, you are totally allowed to, to chase that tone and really, you know, you don't have to shy away from, from what she's like in the graphic novel, because I think that's why people really like this book. You know, part of it is, of course, it's, you know, the emotional impact it has on people. But to like this book, you also have to fall in love with Barbara. And and, um, and that's what I did. And and, and and I was just very positive surprised that we, we actually, that I was so, I was free to do that. And 
partly, you know, it had to do with Joe Kelly also because he insisted on writing the screenplay, which is a very unusual thing in Hollywood. Normally, they would just get rid of people who who have done the source material mm-hmm. to, you know, to be free to to do your own kind of adaptation. But Joe said from the very beginning, "There's going to be no movie if I'm not allowed to do the screenplay." He didn't need the movie, and he never sold the rights. It was all, you know, all the deals were handshake deals with Joe Kelly. Wow. So people were working hard on this to happen, but there was never anything on contract mm-hmm. because Joe wanted to be able to just pull out at any minute if people were not respecting the fact that he was the screenwriter and the fact that the project had a certain, you know, certain tone and energy. And I think that's why obviously he liked me to be part of it uh, because he was also, you know, partly participating in choosing a director. Mm-hmm. And and he got for me that that was exactly what I wanted to do with the film. I wanted to re- stay respectful to to that specific tone. Mm-hmm. You know, and another thing in the film that I really loved, that I thought was gorgeous, was Philip Berg's animation and the decision to to do that moment where Barbara's talking to Sophia and and describing all the different giants. Um, can you? discuss the the choice of saying this should be animation rather than maybe doing it a little more realistically uh, similar to maybe even the beginning yeah I I mean that was a a decision made on purpose because when I came on board you know at one point Chris actually uh, considered not only considered he wanted to direct this film himself for for a couple of years before I, I came on board but eventually you know he couldn't get the money together that he's normally working with so he stayed on it as a producer instead, and and so when I came on board, there's always already a lot of production drawings, you know, concepts of you know the visual style of the film, and there was you know for that sequence, you know they wanted it to look that was a full CGI sequence where everything looked and appeared realistic, just the way the Titan appears in the end. But to me, it was it, you know that that little scene with Barbara telling you know how she experienced that world was much more sweet and naive to me and I felt it was very important to distinguish you know that specific look of when Barbara is telling an obvious an obvious story imaginary story to her friend uh, compared to then when you know you know the Titan appearing later so for me it was very important to to really do two two different styles here and um, also for the for the real giants and the real titans that 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 shows in the forest and in in, in the ocean at the end, um, I didn't want to see that see those creatures before we were late in the film. Uh, I wanted to, to build a lot of tension, um, and I wanted people to be guessing, and I wanted to hint and suggest certain things for quite some time, um, because I really felt it added to. What to me was the most important thing about uh, the film was his tension. I think the film lives very much on tension between characters and tension in terms of what is real and what is not real. So to be very to make that contract with the audience that now listen, guys, this is a story. This is Barbara telling her friend, you know, stuff she read in the book and stuff she believes in. But we present it in this way so you know that this is you know, storytelling, good old-fashioned storytelling, whereas the other kind of st- 
stuff that she experienced is more borderline. So that was a very conscious decision. And I, I mean, and, and, and <laughs> tremendous respect to Philip Berg, and I'm very glad that you mentioned his name because he was basically a one-man army. It was, then of course it came down to budget restraints mm -hmm. and restrictions again, uh, and, and Philip did this whole you know, sequence by himself, one man, and then you kind of feel that that that, that, that someone here sat down and, 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 and set out to do a very artistic piece for the film. And and I think he succeeded it. I'm really, really pleased with it. Yeah, it's 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 really beautiful. I, I loved watching it. Um Sophia, uh I don't believe in the graphic novel, uh she's uh English. And, um, but it was in the screenplay, did he make that choice? And then there was the casting of Sidney Wade, who is English. Okay, so the situation is this. I, I find myself in Ireland. After, you know, for a long time, this movie was to shoot in Vancouver with a full-on American uh, cast and production. Then all of a sudden, we kind of, you know, we, we end up having a European finance film. And... We have to shoot it in Ireland because of you know tax rebate and you know blah 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 mm -hmm. all of that technical stuff. And I can only we only allowed to bring in I think forty percent of the actors from America. Again, it has to do with regulations and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And then I find this. So basically, I have to cast the rest of you know besides from Zoe Saldana and, and Madison Wolf and a couple of other people. I have to cast the rest of the film locally, either out of Ireland or out of, of, of uh, UK. Um, and then Sophia pops up in a casting tape, and she does an okay um, American, um, uh, you know, she has an okay American accent, but still, you know, we're two weeks from starting production, and I can just, there's just something, I, what I, what to me was the most you know, why I made the choice was because I felt like she was so much focusing on putting on that accent instead of acting. Mm -hmm. And I knew how important it was for me and, and Madison to have someone who could who could engage and, and deliver lines the same way that, that Madison could. They had to be equals. And I didn't want, because Sydney Wade is a fantastic actress, but of course, if you're 13 years old and all of a sudden you're, the only thing you, you occupy in your mind with is how good is my accent now? And every time we do a retake, it's because of an accent. Then you're gonna miss out on all that great stuff that comes from just being present in the scene. And so I called everybody and said, listen, I want this British girl. Would it matter to anyone that we changed her to, uh, to, to come from London? Maybe it would even benefit the story because she would feel so much more like an outsider. And, um, and, um, and actually now, that we made it this way, I think that is, you know, it does something good for the for the film. Um, yeah, I so agree. It was really, uh, we changed it because I wanted a, a more natural performance from from this actress, mm -hmm. and wanted to focus on on a, on a specific accent. Well, I, it was definitely a happy accident because that's how I interpreted it. I thought, wow, that's pretty brilliant. They 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 decided to make her an outsider rather than somebody that's from the community. And I really thought that was a really smart decision. Yeah. Uh, so that was a happy accident. And I, I, I have a couple more questions, yeah. <laughs> but I may have be running out of time here. Uh, so I'll just do one more. 
Um, there's a moment in the graphic novel at the end where I got a little emotional. It, it I, I got a little teary-eyed. And I, honestly, reading graphic novels, comic books, that doesn't happen often. In the same spot in the film, I also got emotional. So that's a testament to your direction and the uh, the, the screenplay and the and the performance. Um, but sometimes when it comes to adaptation, Boy, people... what moment is that? <laughs> well, I don't I don't want to say because I, I don't want to give any spoilers. Uh, okay, no, of not. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is the ending, and that's a, that's a big moment. Um, but getting yeah. back to our adaptation, because that's what our podcast deals with is, uh, you know, a lot of times when people think about adaptation, it's about bringing it from one medium to the other, but there's certain things about a story that that are that is core that you have to make sure that it's maintained when it gets transferred over to the to a, the fil- into a film, into a, a new medium. Can you talk about, just a little bit about what, when you read the screenplay and then you read the graphic novel, you were like, this has to stay. I, I, must, I mean, we did, at one point, we, we you know, you know, having these conversations about uh, you know compromising and, and having budget restrictions and of course all movies have budget restrictions but at one point we I think we were you know it's you know if you have read the graphic novel it's pretty obvious that the Titan fight towards the end is 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 a smaller kind of version of what is in the graphic novel it doesn't have that many beats but I think by the end of the day it didn't you know, it didn't really hurt the story because people uh, at that moment in, in the film, they're very much emotionally engaged and maybe you don't need six or seven minutes of hardcore fighting. And so I think it turned out okay. But at one moment, I think I was asked to compromise so much on that fight because obviously it's a very expensive part of a film and uh, an independent film. This is an, an independent produced film. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, I was fighting for, of course, because there is there is a limit to you know to um, to when when it's gonna break and to when you're gonna be hurting the story and and um, and I think that was one of the bigger fights uh, on uh, on you know keeping what is now in the film because mm-hmm. there was definitely also a version where it was even less and I think that would have hurt the film uh, too much. So you have these fights, and you have to kind of insist sometimes that there are just things that you can't leave behind, and um, that was one of the big ones, of course. But, you know, like I said in the beginning, I was really just trying to make sure that we could keep the tone of, of, of Barbara's character, the way she talks, the way she she kind of addresses the world, and, and that was never jeopardized by anyone. So that never became a fight, you know. Um, so that you know, it's really only the Titan battle I recall as 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 one of my bigger battles in in terms of setting down a foot and insisting on this. We simply can't live without a certain a certain uh, scope to this sequence. Well, um, I believe my time is up. I've run over. Even um, this has been a real pleasure. Okay. Uh, congratulations again. And your film, I Kill Giants, opens March 23rd. Um... Thank you so much. Great talking to you. You've been listening to Pages to Pictures, brought to you by ScreenExperience.com and ComicsExperience.com. Please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks.